This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is North, 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 North South. North, South. Hey everybody, Tim Kawakami here, TK Show. No, this is not the TK Show. God, it's too early in the morning for me. I'm staring at Dylan Hernandez's face, so this cannot be the TK Show. He would never be allowed on the TK Show, frankly. Uh, this is North and South. Tim Kawakami here with the LA Times, Dylan Hernandez. We're recording this Wednesday morning early, so who knows what may happen. But thank God stuff happened yesterday involving your guy, Shohei Otani. Uh, Dave Roberts being honest, manager of the Dodgers saying, yeah, he's our top priority. We did talk to him. Shocked? Are you are you uh, bedeviled by this that Shohei Otani wants it all secret? And yet Dave Roberts had the temerity to say, yes, we got to want to sign this guy. But w- w- what's happening here? Yeah, the whole thing just seems so silly, right? I, again, I, you know, the whole secrecy thing, I do think, okay, like, look, Otani does not want you know, these meetings are publicized ahead of time, probably, right? Because we know the way the Japanese media moves, right? There are a lot of them, you know, had, uh, you know, uh, the Japanese media been informed that, say, Otani was going to be at Dodger Stadium, you know, last week, uh, they would have, like, camped out there, like, literally with tents, right? They would have been out there, like, all night. So he didn't want that. Um, You know, that said, something like this, I just kind of don't see what the big deal is, you know? And to me, this is just kind of more reflective i think of baseball's like culture right right now is because they got the strongest union um you know and there's so because of that that's led to a lot of acrimony obviously over the you know last however many decades between management and labor and so now there's this whole thing about right they've had to codify uh you know how teams can talk about free agency and stuff uh and this is kind of just an extension of that right and let's not pretend here that these teams are not talking you know to us because uh, you know, right, Nezbalelo's telling them to. I mean, they don't talk to us anyway, right? I mean, a few years ago, I remember when Garrett Cole was a free agent, you know, you didn't find out until really after the fact that, right, certain teams were interested in stuff. So, you know, uh, this whole thing just kind of seems silly. Now, I think, you know, in regards to the Dodgers, I just don't see what the big deal is because, look, winter meetings last year, 
there was already talk kind of starting. Hey, the Dodgers aren't going to spend this winter. They're saving their money for Otani. Um, it was the most obvious thing, right? They're interested in Otani. Yeah, everybody knows that, right? I think, you know, sure, like if, you know, the Cleveland Guardians are, say, secretly involved, maybe there's an advantage negotiation-wise if for the agent to keep that part quiet. I just don't see what the harm done here was, you know? And it's just, again, the fact that it was such a that this Roberts thing became such a big deal to me is just a reflection of a, just how slow and how boring these winter meetings have been. And also again, just kind of how, you know, secretive, uh, you know, baseball culture has become. I mean, the, the truth is, is I'm, and I'm convinced that the reason these teams are as quiet as they do, as they are right. I think, you know, again, if I'm a season ticket holder, I'm thinking about buying season tickets. I want the team to tell me what they're trying to do. Uh, but you know, that's not the way these baseball ops people think they're, you know, operating in a way they're trying to not get themselves fired. And if you keep maintaining a certain veil of secrecy, I think, you know, it helps them maintain this illusion that they're actually competent people when a lot of them aren't. <laughs> uh, so to me, that's really what this is all about. Oh, it feels like cynical. a much to do about nothing. Cynical Dylan. I will take the other side on this, not a hundred percent, but I think this is partly the Otani camp's fault for, he hasn't talked since August 9th. It's not even confirmed what kind of surgery he had on his elbow only talks once a week anyway, you know, the day after the day he pitches and okay. He's given a lot of latitude because he's a great player, different culture. We know the pressures of the Japanese media, but when you do it this way and then you go into free agency, it's easy to just presume he doesn't want us talking about him at all. Like if we say one little thing out of line, and I'm you, you talked about Baleo last time. I think it's Otani. I think it's Otani. No, I don't know him. I think this is Otani loving the mystery. Also, maybe he's a little shy. You know, he doesn't want to be talking all the time. But when you're about to get a five hundred million dollar contract, that's life. Like too bad. And I get what you're saying. He doesn't want the media to be, you know, all over. I mean, by the way, how did the Japanese media miss that? Dodger Stadium. How are you not all over that? I'm. I, I will blame them for missing that one. Uh, but I just at some point I think this is a I think what the national media guys are saying and there's been some comms about it might be a little bit overstepping but I think there is a perception that this is a superstar who is and and should be even more the face of the game who shies away from some of the responsibilities of being the face of the game it's not like Mike <laughs> Trout's doing you know press conferences all the time but he's not really the face of the game anymore when you are out there and you are being paid, you know, what fifty million dollars a year, whatever he's going to get paid, there is some some responsibility that I will do more than one press conference a week and only after I pitch, and I will speak more than once since August 9th. Didn't speak. Didn't we talked about this? Didn't take questions when he won the MVP. I think this. I'm putting it on Otani. Maybe you know it's not him, but I think there's this. I'm not trying to, you know, he might just be shy. He might just not want to do it. At some no, point, see, it's too bad. It's too bad. You're in this, you put yourself on this stage. You don't have to do it every day, but you do have to, you know, there is, it's a game to promote. There's an entertainment value to this. And you can't say, I'm so removed from it that I shall not play this game. At some point, not, I'm not saying every, every step of the way, you don't have to be on MLB network and be touting yourself. But I think he's played into this. By being so reclusive, uh, by being so secretive about everything, that there is some assumption. Like what some team might be saying, like we sign him at five hundred million dollars, and then he's not going to talk to anybody. Like might talk, not, 
and not including people on the team, right? Staffers on the team, he might have his completely own thing. He's worth it as a player. I would have a little bit. I think this reaction is to him. It's to his, the way he's conducted himself. And he was allowed to because he's so great. Might always be allowed to, but I would have a little bit of qualms about, about that. And I think that's what this plays into. Yeah, you know, I do think there is, I, you're right, um, you were kind of, kind of split hairs here, right? But I do think this was kind of a, you know, again, the, the not talking thing, I think was something kind of present, right? The agent, I, my understanding is, at least with the Angels, was kind of something that the agent pushed. Now, here's the thing, right? And I do agree with you here. Now, that doesn't mean that Otani has to abide by that, obviously. Yeah. The agent works for him, right? And, you know, in the WBC, after, right, they won the whole thing and they asked him, what were you thinking when you were facing Trout? You know, he talked about how he wanted to, at that moment, give back to baseball, right? I He recognized the significance of the moment. He said, I felt I owed it to the game to go at him as hard as I could. Right. And so, right. It, and there's a, so there's a disconnect there, right. Where on one hand, he understands like he has this obligation to promote the game. He's talked about it a lot. You know, you, you hear it, you, you see that when he say during the WBC, the way he talked about, you know, other Asian countries, right. Given, you know, the history of Japan and what they've done to these other countries, right. That not everybody looks at Japan favorably in that region, you know, uh, he really goes out of his way to compliment Korean players and compliment the Taiwanese team. And I think it's part of this effort that he understands, like, hey, I want to grow baseball. Yet when it comes to this thing, there's kind of this weird disconnect. Right. And I do think part of it is that he views the Japanese media as kind of one thing and the American media as a separate thing, but con- winds up conflating the two. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's just hey, these that's not Jap- unique to him. Yeah, that's not unique to him. either. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and so I do think that there's like a little bit there's some nuance there maybe that he doesn't quite understand um, because, yeah, like I said, you know, you do get this feeling that he understands that he has a job to promote this game. Yet, obviously, in this case, I mean, he's doing the exact opposite of this, right? I mean, they should. This is the opposite of the decision, right? Yeah. Where, you know, where people were upset at LeBron for being so like, you know, I'm going to make this a show. Uh, this is kind of the opposite thing. This is the diametrically, you know, uh, op- opposite thing on the spectrum. So, yeah, um, you know, and so hopefully that's something that he kind of figures out over the coming years. You know, I think that, uh, again, once this deal gets done, I do kind of wonder if the agent's going to be quite as, you know, because, again, I, I I do feel that, you know, he up, up until this point, he hasn't really had to do very much, right? In terms of even last year, you know, there are people saying, you know, obviously Otani was in his final year of arbitration. Uh, people were saying, you know what, he could have gotten 40 plus million dollars had he gone through the whole arbitration process. Uh, pretty much the season ended. He's just like, you know what, I'll take 30 million, go home. I don't want to worry about this. So, I mean, what's the agent really doing at that? Point, <laughs> right. And I do feel again that, you know, right, with the other agencies kind of hovering around trying to steal the client right in front of this big payday, it's happened before, right? Um, you know, Scott Boris just stole Pete Alonzo, you know, right, as he was about to hit the market. And so uh these things do happen, you know. And so I do think that the agent in some way was kind of trying to kind of create, you know, value for himself. And I do wonder, like now, right, once that deal gets done. Maybe he won't be quite as like heavy handed with these things, you know. Um, I mean, maybe at this point he'll just say like, "Hey, you know, he'll tell the team, hey, you guys do what you want. Hey, I got mine." <laughs> you know, See so, everybody. Uh, yes. Well, yes, I was so. saying, do you? Can, I mean, I'm I'm asking you to get inside Otani's head here, which is hard to do. Nobody can do it, but 
Can you imagine him going to see signs with the Dodgers or Giants or whoever? And I guess my guess of the Red Sox now does not look so good. But I'll switch the Blue Jays in for the Red Sox. I was thinking some other different kind of team. And so apparently that my pick will now be maybe the Blue Jays. We'll, we'll see. Talk to the media twice a week, three times a week. Be you know a little bit less mysterious. Could you could you see that happening away from the situation with the Angels? Yeah, I mean, look, the the press corps that covered him in Japan, uh, you know, when he was at Nippon Ham, I think was actually even bigger than the press corps that follows him right now. Um, and he talked like he was available, like any other player, right? So this is a thing that happened specifically, like when he came here. I think. And again, you know, I, I mentioned this kind of like how this would affect like the courtship process, right? Where the team is going to kind of have to tell him something. Uh, because even though I think, you know, his, you know, he's not, say, restrained by a lot of the Japanese culture in a way, he does follow Japanese custom, at least on the surface, right? He's very polite, you know, whenever he's leaving, you know, spring training, I remember, you know, he's leaving, he always bows to me and, you know, uh right you say like you know good day of work basically um you know he's he's again he's very polite and so i I do that i do that to you also (laughs) so i do think that if a team were to tell him hey these are your obligations i think he'll do it Hmm. um i just don't you know he talked in the wbc fine um you know and so again i really think that this is just about kind of the you know what's kind of happened here was kind of grown out of the situation where you know, again, he went to an Angels team that had zero leverage. I mean, that was, again, one of the reasons he, I think he picked them, right, was he wanted a place that was going to let him do the two-way thing no matter how long it took for him to figure both things out, right? And that was the Angels. And because, again, where the Angels are situated in this market, like relative to the Dodgers, right, they're the they're the Clippers of baseball here, right? They're the Chargers compared to the Rams. Uh, they're the second team. Uh, even from kind of that PR standpoint, they didn't really have much to stand on. You know, and so I just think that the thing just kind of got out of hand over time, right, where it became a the agent and the player kind of dictating to the team. This is what I'll do. But I think that if the team had ever come to him and said, like, you need to do this. I don't think that they would have had a problem getting that done, you know, because there were times, you know, because you can say like, okay, yeah, like the angels asked him to speak, whatever. But right. There are different ways to ask people. (laughs) Right. They're like, there's hey, you need to talk. And there's like, oh, Mr. Otani, do you think you can spare a couple yeah. of minutes, right? And like, in the, you, you, you know, as a person hearing that, you know which is which. Yeah. And so I just, you know, and I, and I even wrote this in, in regards to him getting hurt this past year, right? Where it just felt like there wasn't an adult in the room there, frankly. Yeah. You know, he said, you know, I mean, this is the, I guess, you know, I mean, you could look at this as good or bad, whatever. But like, he was like, I want to play every single day. And the one thing about this guy is he plays really hard. He obviously plays hard. And it didn't matter, you know, as long as they were kind of hanging around there five, six games out of a playoff spot, he was going to go out there, keep playing, keep playing, keep playing. And you're watching this wondering, man, is this sustainable? And it turned out to not be, right? Um, you know, this guy came had to come out of games with like weird, feeling weird stuff in his arm. Uh, and nobody thought at any point, it's like, well, Shohei says he's fine, so we're just going to send him out there, you know? There was very little kind of adult, right? There was adult supervision, so to speak, in that situation. And I think that it applies both to him and, again, his playing schedule, and it applies on this PR side. And it just really kind of, I just think it's going to require just somebody to, now, you know, I mean, you, you've been around these professional sports teams. I mean, they're, you know, uh, 
you don't have many kind of these high character type people that can that are that's willing the, to stare a superstar in the face. Yeah, right. Yeah. respect, right? Have yeah, and, respect. The, and the gravitas, right, to yeah. be able to do that. But I do think that if the team kind of demands this and lets them know that, hey, this is the expectation here, right? This is our organizational culture. I think he will abide by that. I really do. Yeah, that's the that's where I would get the bigger pictures. Are you going to have a bifurcated thing? You have Shohei's clubhouse and everybody else. And I think that would be a some concern. He's so good. It alleviates a lot of it. But I'll just spin this. Do you think Dave Roberts in any way speaking openly about this? Not even, you know, everyone's going crazy. It wasn't even that much, right? We, we, it clearly was just confirming that there was a meeting and they want him. But it's so different than everyone else's addresses, clearly from the team that everyone thinks is the leading candidate. Do you think that in any way that was Robert saying, you know, we're still the Dodgers here, right? I mean, we're not the Shohei Otani team. We're the Dodgers. You come here, we're still the Dodgers. You'll be a great player. In some way, is it like a, you know, kind of a underlying, like, we are the Dodgers and we're great. And, you know, at some point, not everything's going to be dictated by you. I maybe I'm overreading that, but do you think there's something at play there? No, because I, I think uh, if you saw like right right afterwards, the GM uh, Brandon Gomes and Andrew Friedman spoke, and they didn't want anything to do with this, <laughs> right? I mean, you know, uh, you know, Gomes looked like he was just like sneaking, right? He got caught like sneaking boxes in a Mar-a-Lago, right? Like <laughs> um, he was not, you know, and that kind of tells me again that the Dodgers, you know, you, you talk about like kind of setting expectations and stuff. The Dodgers won't be that team. Well, maybe you know? Roberts will. Maybe I must say Robert Roberts might. Roberts might, right? But I don't think that's going to kind of come from the front office. And it is a front office driven organization, right? I mean, I think in the last couple of years, with the way the playoffs went, right? Kind of the some of the luster has been taken off the right, some of the shine has been taken off the front office. And like relatively speaking, the front office has maybe lost power relative to Roberts. Uh, but this still kind of remains a front office driven organization. And one thing you kind of notice about them is, you know, they're very selective about like who they mess with. Right. Um, you know, there's certain guys, right. I made a big deal about this a couple of years ago when the Dodgers played the giants in the playoffs, right. This is a front office that loves to tinker. They want to right show everybody, Hey, we won because of us. Uh, they had a 20 game winner in Julio Rios going in game five of that NLDS against the giants. And they put an opener in front of them, yep. you know, and, they wouldn't have done that with Walker Bueller. You know, they wouldn't have done that with Kershaw. Uh, Max Scherzer. Kershaw. Um, yeah. Well, Kershaw, they have a complicated relationship with because Kershaw was already there when they showed up. Okay. Right. And they, you know, one of the first things, maybe it wasn't one of the first things, but maybe after about a year, they traded away like his personal catcher. Mm. You know, and I remember at the time the players in the clubhouse were telling me, like, okay, yeah, like we get it. Right. The front office was trying to send the message, this is our team. Now, the fact that they don't kind of apply these rules kind of evenly, they, you know, they consider the t- player's temperament and all that stuff. It, to me, it tells me, you know, they're not kind of that high character. <laughs> these aren't the high character people who are willing to kind of stare like everybody in the face. Hey, this is the way we do things here. Right. Well, who's cl- well, who's clubhouse? Is it Mookie Betts clubhouse? Is it Freddie Freeman's clubhouse? I mean, I, I could I, just see, you know, them like we want to signal to Mookie if it right. is his clubhouse that it's still going to be its club. Like Shohei's. You and your clubhouse, right? It's going to be, it's not just going to be off to the side, which is how I feel it was with the Angels. You can tell me whether it was not doing his own thing, his own and great, and obviously producing incredibly, and then everyone else. Like this is still going to be a group, a, a collective sort of thing. That's how I read that. 
Yeah, this is nobody's. The Dodgers clubhouse is nobody's clubhouse right now, really. Um, I think, you know, Mookie Betts is actually kind of more of a introverted personality. Uh, you know, Freddie Freeman's obviously very, uh, you know, you need a quote. He's the guy you go to, right? He's very well-spoken. He's willing to do the whole media thing. Uh, but he's also actually kind of more of an introverted character, you know? I mean, uh, to the point where I think, right, they, they felt, uh, you know, Jason Hayward kind of became the glue guy in that clubhouse. Uh, you know, to the point where they felt they had to give Jason Hayward $9 million to come back to be that guy again, because actually, you know, kind of the way they do things with, you know, the, the platooning and people getting moved around constantly, uh, they don't really want the bigger personalities there, I think, right? Over the years, the big personalities have gradually just kind of gone. Uh, so in that sense, you know, I think Otani fits in just kind of fine. These guys, the Dodgers, you, you're around there, it feels like a bunch of independent contractors coming into work, right? And the way instruction works now with right every team now has those hawkeye cameras and right the everything is very special tailored to that individual right because now they can measure okay hey your front shoulder is flying open 0.01 seconds earlier than it should be uh they will go and work that and so everybody kind of has their appointment to go do their get their work done and get this data and so from that standpoint i don't think it's going to be that much different you know the angels again had the same issue where they have a clubhouse where there's kind of no there there Right. And, you know, they traded for Mike Moustakas late in the season and Moustakas kind of became that guy by default because there was nobody there. Hmm. Right. So this guy who just showed up at the trade deadline is all of a sudden now the clubhouse leader. And so, you know, and Ron Washington has kind of talked about that. Hey, we need Trout and we need be those guys. Um, not really sure that's going to happen. But yeah, so from that standpoint, I think it's going to be fine. Right. With the Dodgers, um, you know, if any if there was any kind of like big personality, there was probably Kershaw even though I'm not really sure, you know, because he was a pitcher and just kind of pitched once every five days, you know, right. It, it takes like a different type of pitcher to be that guy, right. Like Adam Wainwright, right. Didn't mind. I'm not playing four out of five days, but Kershaw is very cognizant of the whole playing time thing. Uh, you know, and who knows if he's even going to be back at this point, right. He's going to miss most of the season anyway. So I kind of don't see him being much of a factor kind of in the Otani thing. So yeah, from that standpoint, I, I don't think that that's going to be, an issue at all here's what i'm thinking that as you go through all this that if if the secrecy and the i do my own thing and i want total you know franchise backing me on this if i want to duplicate the angel situation the giants become much bigger factor because they will do that right they but I, it's not so good though like th that's a lesser franchise saying we need you so badly we'll let you do whatever you want to or whether the, it's the agent or whatever or, or it's like we're worried that the japanese media is going to be too much of a you know impact on the clubhouse and i do have to you have to do think about it i mean i think you deal with it whatever but you do have to think about it <laughs> I, I when you talk about that though i think like i'm picturing the giants i'm not i don't think they're the lead in the clubhouse i don't think they're even you know the second team maybe for otani but when you start talking like that uh if this is a big deal if this is a factor i think the giants become a larger larger uh interesting candidate for him because they will do all they whenever you want to pitch you pitch whenever you want to you want to pitch three three times a month fine you want to pitch you know twice a week fine you know whatever you want to do we'll set up our rotation to make sure we fit they already do weird stuff with the rotation we'll bat you wherever um I, I just see that for them, that, but that's, you know, I, I don't know that's going to be the number one thing for him. So yeah, as we talk through this, 
I kind of respect the Dodgers if they are, if Dave Roberts is saying, hey, you know what, you're our guy and we will say you're our guy and then you will be part of our collective if that's the case. Um, but, and, and if the Giants are saying whatever you want, you know, we, I, they may or may not have met in San Francisco. You saw the pictures, the Chronicle God of them being prepared, you know, in their suits. I got, they're got to wear suits in order to meet Otani. I'm not quite sure what was going on there. Maybe it was at the Four Seasons or something. Who knows? Uh, but I've been at the Four Seasons still, and I didn't wear a suit. I'll tell you that right now. Uh, many times, I've had lunch many times there. But um, I it, I don't know. I, I don't know that that's the way I would want to present things to feel going after Otani. And I, I know that's maybe the only way they get them, but I kind of want like, you know, Logan Webb, that's, you know, this is, it's kind of Logan Webb's clubhouse. It's hard to say again, you guys, the pitching thing. It's the pitcher won't only going to play so much, but with all those young players right now, Logan Webb is the strongest personality in there. Um, we'll see. One thing, know. one thing I think is, you know, that, and again, I'm not really sure how much time they actually had to kind of get to know each other and stuff. Uh, you know, for the for the better or worse, at least like when he was with and this kind of, you know, not everybody like this. Right. Is that Farhan would take stuff to the players. Right. I mean, I think, you know, I'm not sure Corey Seager really appreciated being told how to hit by some guy who never played. <laughs> but, um, you know, that's kind of the right. Uh, you know, and Farhan, with Kershaw it was kind of the same thing. Right. They kind of try to, you know, in terms of sequencing, get him to change some things. Uh, he will. At least when he was with the Dodgers, and again, it's been a long time since he's been gone, so maybe he's kind of different now. He will take stuff to players, and this is kind of the the unfortunate thing I think is actually that you know Angels people have actually told me you know, and obviously they don't have all the gadgets and all the toys that say the Dodgers have, but you know the one thing I was told was that um, Otani more than any other player in the Angels clubhouse, right? If they're most ball players don't want to kind of deviate from what they already do, right? I got my routine. This is how I do things. Um, one thing that I was told was that anytime the Angels brought anything to Otani, like, oh, hey, we have this available, we'll have that available, he tried everything out. You know, he might not have liked it, but he will try things out. And this is the thing is, I do think that there's this kind of this wrong impression of him that like, you know, that he's kind of this like hard-headed, closed-minded type person. I just think that he kind of got so big and there's probably also like a communication and cultural issue where you kind of don't know where certain lines are. But this is, again, somebody who is striving to get better, yeah. right? And I think he will do whatever it takes. And even if that means like, hey, you know what? Maybe I got to listen to something else. I mean, the way he's approached at the plate, right? I mean, you know, I remember when I was in, the last time I was in Japan, I was talking to a cab driver. He was complaining about how American Otani has become <laughs> in terms of his playing style, right? Because in Japan, uh, less so in the last few years, but it was really embarrassing to strike out, yeah. right? And you know, this guy's just like, you know, swinging from his heels the way an American does. And, you know, it's how, how you know, he's just this brute now. Uh, but this is a very, like, adaptable person, right? And I think that that's actually been, you know, one of the reasons he succeeded as much as he has. I've seen, you know, obviously the Dodgers have had a number of Japanese pitches over the years. And you just kind of see them kind of struggling with the difference between the way baseball's thought of and played here compared to the way it is in Japan. And obviously they want to stick with what got them successful, Otani is very, I think he's more open-minded than people think, right? And to me, that was kind of the unfortunate part of this dynamic that got created because people were just afraid to even, like, say anything, right? And maybe say things to him that he needed to hear. Okay. Uh, we talked a ton about that. I'm sure people 
are slightly interested in the Otani stuff, so always love to talk about that. But okay, give me something on the Bay Area. What, what, what's uh, concerning you? What what questions you got about what's going on in the sports world up here in the Bay? Well, uh, uh, so I, I mean, I know we keep going back to the Niners, but hard to uh, avoid. Hard to avoid. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Is this a Super Bowl team? I thought they were one of the two favorites all season, even when they went through that three game losing. Obviously, things are. You, you know, you wonder about it. Things get shaken up when you lose three straight like they did. But even then, I thought, like, they'll probably straighten it out. I, I, I definitely believe that Kyle Shanahan has the stuff to reset a team when they go through a little bit of a slump, which they did. They've kind of done it in the past few years where they kind of – October's a little shaky, and then they just accelerate through November and December, and they have done that uh, previous two years in worse, far worse spots than they were this year at five and three. Uh, and yeah, I think Brock Purdy's a big game quarterback. I've said this for a while now. Uh, I know it's a national topic. Uh, you know, du jour is Purdy really a, a guy who can win you the big game? Is he an MVP? I, whatever. I don't get into the MVP conversation too much. It's so much football left to play. Like, you know, three weeks ago, it was Lamar Jackson. Two weeks ago, it's somebody else. And one week ago, you know, it just changes so much on every game, uh, kind of as it should. But yeah, I think this is a team that's built for big games. I've, I've thought they, the, the, the defensive line, the, the way the defense makes you, you know, makes offenses have to work for every point they get. And if they're explosive at all in offense, they can run away with games just because the defense isn't going to give up that much. Even when they weren't playing great, they weren't, you know, one game. They, I mean, Joe Burrow blew them up in the Bengals game, and that was a lot of, you know, sign of, kind of factors involved with that one. But since Steve Wilkes has come down from the booth, defense coordinator to the field, uh, everybody's kind of refreshed. It's that defense will hold you to 14 to, to 18 and maybe a garbage touchdown here or there, but like that, they're not going to probably hold you right around 20 or, or under if the offense is doing anything, they could blow out anybody, anybody. And they have done that. Uh, and that matters. They've blown out the, you know, the Cowboys, they've blown out the Steelers, they've blown out the Jaguars. And they, now they've blown up the Eagles in Philadelphia. And I think Brock Purdy is, I just think he's a winning quarterback. Top five, top eight, whatever you want to say. Uh, they're now significantly through big chunk of the season, and he's the number one rated quarterback in the NFL. Highest percentage completions. Uh, does not put the ball in dangerous positions very often uh, and just gets through stuff. So, yeah, I, I think there should be the Super Bowl favorites. You never know how this goes. You never know how injuries go. But they've kind of checked the marks. I have, you know, other than win-loss record, just can you go on the rope? Can you go in the weather? Can you match up your defense against anybody? No, you know, listen, Patrick Mahomes, when he's hot, is going to probably beat anybody. Uh, Lamar Jackson, when he's hot, it's going to be tough for anybody. Like, So do you have the quarterback that the other team has to worry about? I think this is the best quarterback Kyle Shanahan's had as a 49 coach. He's the best quarterback the 49ers have had overall since Steve Young. You st- all those things, does that guarantee him a Super Bowl? No, absolutely not. They were really good in 19, too. What happened? They got they got up on Mahomes in the fourth quarter, and he just took off on him, and Jimmy Garoppolo could not go throw for throw for that. Can Brock Purdy go throw for throw with that? We'll see. Uh, I think the Chiefs are not as good as they were. They don't have to rekill, and we'll, we'll see what the 49ers got. I, I, yeah, I think they're the best team in the NFC. If you're the best team in the NFC, you have at least a 40% chance of winning the Super Bowl and, and maybe above that. They've shown this to me just on the field. And I don't know what you see from them. Uh, I just think they're they're the most talented team in the league. 
Now we'll see if those th- that specific you know set of pieces is the right thing to get through big games. But hard for me to say anybody else. I mean, I would say the Eagles, and they're better than the Eagles. At least that we they saw. And it was a tired Eagles team. You know, the schedule set up in a way that the foreigners have more rest than them, and the Eagles are in the middle of this incredible run of tough games. Understood. So were the 49ers when they lost to the Browns and the Bengals so and the Vikings. So it'll play out the way it plays out. But, man, I, the way, the team that I've watched, even counting those three losses, yes, it's the best team in the league. Uh, one thing I'm always kind of interested in is how, right, a lot of times national perception and, like, local perception differ, right? I think, for example, you look at the Dodgers, I think the national perception is, hey, there's this team that's, right, they contend every year. You know, they they go into every year as like one of the favorites. This is like a successful franchise, right? There's, it's good feeling about it. Solid team. Uh, Solid locally, team. however, you know, and I think that, right, uh, the Shaq and Kobe Lakers kind of reset expectations in a way that were like basically, you know, unmeetable. Uh, you know, it's kind of this like, okay, you, you know, because you're the favorite now, you need to win every single time, right? Like you, they created this idea that you can just kind of win almost that it's a birthright almost right and the fact that the dodgers outside of that you know the the covid shortened season haven't won there's actually a surprising amount uh, i guess mean, it's not surprising but like i mean because i guess i'm part of it but like there's a, <laughs> you, it's you <laughs> i surprised myself is what you're saying there how is, dare dylan hernandez do that there is a negative <laughs> kind of feel about it right because yeah. it's kind of year after year okay they haven't won they haven't yeah. won they haven't won they did it again and i guess i'm wondering what's kind of the feel around the niners now i know the bay area maybe is not quite as like angry a market maybe as la can be uh, 49ers but, yeah 49ers yeah, but i'm wondering yeah. again like is is there any of that like okay man you know we've been good for a while when are we going to win this thing? yeah no question four niners may be singular now warriors obviously lately you know the season is defined by whether you win the title or not but that's a kind of newer feeling to that and it's steph curry 49ers is historical win the championship or the season's not right. I mean, Eddie DeBarlo Jr., that was basically what he said uh, as owner and uh, understood. It was they won five Super Bowls. These are these are what people our age, you know, I'm older than you, but like, you know, you grew up just assuming that that's what the foreigners did. And they didn't lose Super Bowls in the Bill Walsh, George Seifert era. And that's important. I, and, and I always acknowledge that, that you got to win it. I mean, Kyle Shanahan, John Lynch era is going to be defined by whether they win a, a Super Bowl or not, or multiple. No question. You you don't want to be the team that just came close. The Bills are memorable for their four straight Super Bowl appearances, but they're also memorable for not winning them. Um, Hall of Fame players, all these things, you, st- you want to put that banner up. So, yes, if they don't win it this year, it will be another building moment of frustration. No question. There was frustration last year. There's been frustration uh, when they get to the Super Bowl 19 and lose. Uh, so, yes, understood. I do fight back on, again, they don't win a Super Bowl this year. It's not going to be success. Let's mark that down. But would you rather be the team that has a chance every single time or the one that goes 5-12 and 12 every other year? Like, that's, like, it's, I do think fandom has to understand that there are some things that are out of everybody's and getting Brock Purdy hit in the arm whether you blame Kyle Shanahan for that play call or not, it's an NFL play call. This can happen. Uh, and you can lose an NFC championship game because of that. And 
being 10 points up on the Kansas City Chiefs in the Super Bowl doesn't mean you won the Super Bowl, but it means you were good enough to be in that moment and Patrick Holmes was just better than you. Um, we'll see, you know, and, and everyone will have to deal with it when they deal with it. And there is frustration internally. Clearly, they want to win a Super Bowl, but Andy Reid went 20 years without winning a Super Bowl. Andy Reid is like was like 58, I think, when he won his first Super Bowl with the Chiefs. He was like five years into his Chiefs reign. Forget about all the years he was with the Eagles. Kyle Shannon is like 18 years younger than Andy Reid. Like, he, if you want to base it on that, and understandably, I get it. Andy Reid was fired in Philadelphia. Things kind of unraveled a, there a little bit. Um, so maybe it's not a direct par- parallel, and, and maybe there's only one Andy Reid. But I think that position where you are built every year to have a chance and to have a good chance is something to be acknowledged and be respected. You do have to win a ring. I I do want to say that. When I was a kid growing up and the 49ers were winning Super Bowls, I was very proud. And and I was a 49er fan back there, back then, that they don't lose the Super Bowl. Bill Walsh don't lose Super Bowls. Like Al Davis, I think he lost that first one of the Packers when they were in and then won Super Bowls. Understandable. Then they lost to Tampa Bay and a whole other thing. But I get that. But... You do want that team that is around it. And I do think they've got the quarterback. That's been kind of, you know, even in 19, it was like, do they have the quarterback to do this? And then it turns out they probably didn't. He almost was good enough. He would have won the MVP. If they stopped the Chiefs in the fourth quarter, Jimmy Garoppolo is the MVP of the Super Bowl. Whole different, you know, discussion, whole different level to this. He didn't. That's real. I think Brock Purdy, he's going to get in that Super Bowl and he's going to be as good or slightly worse than whoever he's up against, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, whoever it is. And you take that. You, you just, you know, you, you want the great quarterback. I think they've got a really, really good quarterback who's only getting better and he's heading towards greatness. Last week I compared him, you know, Willie Sneed, who's former current 49ers practice squad player, was, uh, you know, a teammate with Drew Brees six, seven years ago. And he he makes a comparison. Brock Purdy, Drew Brees. Drew Brees won a big game. He won a Super Bowl. Could have won one or two others, had some weird things happen in playoffs. I think if Brock Purdy is anywhere near that level, Fortnite is going to win a Super Bowl in this era. It's hard you know, hard to know when that will be. Um, you just want to be around it and around it and around it. I think they could win it this year very easily. I think they could win it the year after that. I think they could win it, you know, they're not going to win it every year for the next three years, but I think they're as good a bet as any to win it over the next three years because of the talent they've got assembled, the way they play. They're Shannon has six and two in the playoffs. Six and three, I'm sorry. Six and three in the playoffs. I mean, that's really good coaches are like 500 in the playoffs. He's six and three, wins two playoff games every year that he's in it. Now he's got Brock Purdy. We'll see if he stays healthy. Yeah, I just, I understand what everyone's saying. I get it. And the Dodgers thing is very comparable, very, very comparable. You can't keep saying you got the best roster in football. You can't keep saying, oh, we only lost that playoff game because this freak thing happened. But um, I I just acknowledge how hard it is to get this good, how tough it is to stay this good. And if you give your shot at it, you're going to break through probably. Now, Andy Reid did not in Philadelphia, did not in Philadelphia. And if this thing goes 15 years where Kyle Shanahan is not broken through, he, he will not last 16 but this is uh, this team is built well, Dylan. It really is. Uh, and again, it might not it might not shape up that way once they get to January. But 
I, I wouldn't want to be any other team right now. You would not want to be any other team, and that includes the Chiefs, uh, if you're trying to win a Super Bowl this year. And I just think you, there's got to be some acknowledgement of that. Yeah, because I think with the Dodgers, you know, one of part of the frustration though is that they seems like they come they they have a formula to win 95 games, right? And the thing is, the problem with that formula is that it costs them in October. And they keep doing the same thing over and over. So and what over. do you think that is pitching where they, they pitching, won't? Pitching. You know, they, they do won't. not prioritize or they do not because everything is about minimizing risk. Right. They they don't want they want to they don't want to have that 500 season no matter what. Right. So they will not invest in a high end pitcher. So unless they draft it. Right. So they, they drafted Walker Bueller and like, well, like once Kershaw left, they didn't have that guy anymore. And. You know, I think you need that horse in October, and they just never have had him. And so it's just kind of right. They run into a team with one or two guys like that, and they just can't compete. And the thing is, it's year after year. It's kind of the same thing. And so, you know, because what happens in the regular season is, you know, say take a guy like Lance Lynn, whom they traded for this past year, right? It's okay. You need to play the Rockies on a Wednesday. He can help you win that game. You do not be want to run that guy out in a playoff. Game, no, right. And so. You know, and I think it's become so easy to understand what they're doing and they're not, you know, whereas like the Niners, I mean, they, you know, I think went out, they got McCaffrey, you know, that's like a big game changing, right, type of move where I kind of think that it probably, okay, well, at least they're trying something. I think there's a frustration here. Yeah, they try. Yeah, I think there's a frustration here that like, you know, these guys are so arrogant almost that they won't change. And, you know, frankly, like, you know, that frustration has turned into like an anger thing. I mean, I think if you ask most Dodger fans, and I don't even think this is any, I don't think this is Dave Roberts' fault at all. He's just a guy who's given the, he manages the roster he's given. And even then they kind of more or less kind of tell him how to use these players. Um, you know, you ask most fans, Roberts is the face they see, they want the guy out, right? So we're at that point where this team has made the playoffs, you know, what, 10 of the last, you know, 11 straight, I don't know, whatever it is now, the streak is at, um, and they want the guy out, you know? Um, and so, I imagine it's had not at that point with the Niners where, you know, people are calling for, you know, blood sacrifices. <laughs> some, some are, some are. Well, it's interesting you mentioned that because Farhan Zaidi isn't, I don't think he learned it from the Dodgers, Andrew Friedman. He was hired by the Dodgers because he comes from that culture. You don't risk it with 31 year old pitchers because if that turns out poorly, then you're dead. Carlos Rodon, right? But also, Kevin Gosman, right? You do, you have the pluses and the minuses, but the, the you know the immense frustration with the Giants is that it hasn't led to the amount of wins that the Dodgers have had. In fact, you lost to them even when you went 107 in, in a playoff series, and you don't risk these potential franchise-changing players. Now, maybe it would be different if they had signed somebody and it busted, but they have not landed one of these guys. They now say they want to. We'll we'll see. But the frustration is that Farhan will not do it. Like he just. See, I actually think you know. I'll, I'll say this: it, it just seems you know, kind of from here that they're just having trouble getting somebody to take their money, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. They did make that big offer to Correa. They did make right. They went after Harper. They had. They um, might have had one of top one or two bids for Judge last year. Yeah, right? and I'm so. sure it's going to be the same case for uh, you know for Otani, right? It's uh, and uh, at least my feeling about it, you know, knowing both Andrew Friedman and, and Farhan Zaidi, that, that Zaidi was a lot more uh, inclined to take that kind of risk, right, than, than Friedman was. You know, I know that when Granky left, uh, you know, again, Friedman was like, okay, we don't want to touch that. 
I think Zaidi was kind of on the side of like, hey, we should probably this, you know, let's talk about this at least, yeah. you know. No, so no, I, I don't think he's a risk, risk averse. Yeah. Sorry, is uh, he does have to land somebody. Yeah, I mean, he does yeah. have to. Land. And I agree with it. They try to get Bryce Harper. They're offered him like three thirty. This is five years ago, so it's not like they haven't tried. You do have to land somebody, and I guess the I guess the sense is it's not in his stomach to do it. So that somehow is kind of emanated to other free agents. Like maybe this just isn't the place. Well, this is going to be the big test. And is he can he switch a little? It's a little bit. It's degrees and land somebody, or will he say, you know what? I've told everybody we're going to be in the market. So let's go 50 million higher than we want to for Yamamoto. Like, let's just do that. That's where I think people think he hasn't done. Like, let's just, Dave Dombrowski says, you know what? It's going to cost an extra to sign Schwarber. Let's just do it. And they're going to have to do this. They're going to have to have the, the franchise commitment to do it. And this is the other thing. And if it doesn't work, they're going to have to gut it out. Like that's what they, they they just have to understand. This is kind of the tax of being in San Francisco, having to fill that stadium and being up against the Dodgers. It just is. And I'm not saying they don't think that, but I just think they've underlined it by hiring Bob Melvin, by keeping Farhan Saidi. And um, you know, apparently Farhan's not real happy with me these days, by the way, Dylan. That's okay. Mm. I can live with it. Uh, <laughs> I think it has to do with the draft choice uh, history, which hasn't been real good. And that's okay. I will not. Like I'm gonna keep saying it. it hasn't been good. It hasn't been good. I'm I will I'm I know I know there's some extenuating circumstances, but too bad. Um it's you fascinating. Know, just talking right now, one thing that kind of hit me was don't you think, you know, look, I think Bryce Harper's a great fit in Philadelphia. Don't you think he would have been a great like San Francisco oh, giant? God, yeah. Just in Absolutely. terms of like the way that fan base. Hunter Pence times guys. yeah, times five. Yeah, the, you know, right. Hunter Pence yeah. is like, you know, beloved here for four two good years and four you know, two other semi-good years, and and he was just so authentic, uh, and and wanted to win so badly. Yeah, Hunt. I mean, friggin', I mean, you know, listen, Harper ended up where he should have ended up. He's he's loved and filled, and he's he's got a team that can win every year. Talking about a team that can win every year and hasn't won yet, by the way. Uh, but yeah, Harper would be loved here. Like that's what they want. They want that. You know, it's Barry Bonds. It's that guy. You are watching his four at bats every, and and obviously Otani would be that. Like this is a situation where the fan base has, you know, the passionate, passionate fan base is pretty big. But when it's hip to like the Giants, then it's immense. You know, they will come pouring into this if it's the cool thing, if it's the winning thing. That's all with Warriors right now. Now we'll see how long that lasts. But they're, you know, it it could move to the Giants when they have stars. Buster Posey was the last one. Lincecum, his starts were events in the Bay Area, as they should have been. They want something like that. Harper would have fit that. I don't know. That's it. I don't think Correa would actually fit that, by the way. He's not that kind of guy. He no, just would have been a good yeah, player. Would have been, yeah. It just would have been a good player. Like they, they listen, a $250 million deal for Carlos Correa would not be bad for the Giants right now. Would not be bad. He wasn't going to sign a restructured deal with them. So the, de- the deal he got with the Twins is fine, but like, he would fit very nicely in with his team. Overpaid at that number, could break down, but he wasn't that star star. And that's why Otani obviously is not. Well, Yamamoto's not going to be that guy. Probably, you know, we'll see. You know, Jung Ho Lee's. You know, is he? You know, I don't know, but they clearly understand that they went after Judge. Judge would have been that guy. Um, but there's like six of them. That's the problem. I think there's like six of them and they ain't cheap when they hit the market.
One question I have for you, because I mean, you even right, you covered the Shaq and Kobe Lakers. Oh yeah, you know, so you, won the, you know. the first championship year. And I, I'm curious uh, the the way in you know uh, our, our respective markets, the Bay Area and LA, connect to their superstars. It feels a lot more personal, kind of like in there's a there's a it feels closer in the Bay Area, whereas. I kind of feel like in LA, maybe people put guys up on pedestals. Yeah. LA is more. more comic book, I think, more Hollywood. Yeah. You know, yeah. shockingly, it's more Hollywood. I just that name. Sorry, that word just popped in my head. In San Francisco, yeah, in the Bay Area, probably it's it's also based on the the superstars who've been there: Joe Montana, Steph Curry, you know, Barry Bonds. It's just been you you know different personalities, but but uniquely like. These are the franchise that that's who the franchise is. I think of the franchise through these people and we'll see if Purdy gets there. It's possible. And someone's mentioned like he could be the next Curry. I don't know that he will be. No one will ever be that high unanimous MVP, but Purdy could become just, just that superstar franchise player. Uh, and I don't, in LA Kobe would be the only one I think, you know, comparable magic and Kobe, those two, where you just think that the other like LeBron, no matter what, is LeBron. That's he's he's international. Shaquille was a comic book, and I covered him, and I like him. I still talk to him. He's a comic book. Um, football, I don't. I mean, it's hard to Pete Carroll. I guess Reggie Bush would be the other huge stars. Baseball, I don't know. It just has. I just think that the the, the 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 blessing of being a Bay Area fan is you have had these like incredibly. I don't know if these personification of the franchises that win that do it in a certain way have style uh, and you you identify yourself with these people. I don't know that the L.A. guy sometimes you can identify yourself LeBron. Right. Yeah. And and that's what I wanted to touch on. Right. It kind of feels like when when you talk to Bay Area sports fans and they're, they're talking about their favorite player, it feels like they they think that they know the guy. Yeah. Right. As opposed to maybe in L.A., Oh yeah, I saw that guy walking the red carpet or something, right? It's kind of a, a little a more little, distance, yeah, a little, a little bit more of a distance, yeah. And it's, it's also because that interesting, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's a smaller area, and it's a big area, but smaller. There's so many stars in LA, and I, I mean, I've been there. Like you, just you, you do see whoever just walking Johnny Depp in a coffee shop or something. Uh, that was years ago. I did see him. That was years and years ago. I just popped in my head, uh, but. Um, it's a little different. It's a little different. And I just think the magnitude is a little different. Like, you know, what would Steph Curry be like in LA? He'd be huge. He'd be gigantic. Yeah. Uh, it, it might be the same thing. Cause Kobe is the same thing. Kobe. That was one. And just the LA personification. Like that was still is still the, the defining personality, probably of the last 25 years, maybe of LA in total, but certainly on the sports scene. We could talk about that. We're going on and on. Let's yeah. get to, I gotta get I gotta get the uh, 49ers practice here. You gotta get you got a, a I got you Rams. Gotta, you got Rams. Oh my goodness. Dylan Nanas are Rams. Dylan, hey, the 500 Rams. 500 playoff bound. You know, it, it was funny because uh, you know, when they opened training camp, I was giving McVay a hard time about how the over-under was six and a half mm-hmm. for their wins. You know, you gotta go over, you gotta go over this year. <laughs> what were well, they la- what were they what were they last year? He's at six now. Yeah, uh, they we won like... five games last year. Oh, look at that. Look at that. Yeah, I think. Yeah. So, get ready to cover the playoffs, Dylan. Get ready to cover the playoffs. All right. That's Dylan Hernandez. I'm contractually obligated to say Dylan Hernandez from the Los Angeles Times and damn proud of it. 
and just me. I'm I, I'm independent. I just call myself myself. Good to have you on. Good to, good to be talking to everybody. That is the show for today. 